Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. My name is William Gould. I am the singer in Creeper. This is Sex, Death, and the Infinite Void. This one will remain with us the longest. Because not only is it the last show of this album campaign, it is the last show we'll ever do. It was almost as though our audience expected something to happen but had no idea what it would be. And uh, and I expected something to happen and felt like I knew exactly what it was going to be. But in all in all actuality, I had no idea what was about to happen. It, uh, completely, I was probably more surprised than anybody else, and I was the one with the most knowledge of what was about to occur. So from the moment I put my jacket down and a callous heart backdrop, which was the logo of the bands for the entirety of our, our career to that point, dropped to the floor, revealing a movie screen that played footage that Jay Wennington, uh, our photographer, who had been on countless tours of us across the United States and, uh, and, and Europe and England, almost everything, he made this movie montage that we set to a Leonard Cohen song. And that began to play, and I realized we were kind of at a funeral. We were at a funeral for, for the, the, the past four years of our lives, which... Uh, was a surprise to me because um, I didn't quite realize exactly how emotional it was going to be. And we all laid our jackets down at the front of the stage and um, as, the, as the, the, the movie played, which was a, and for, for, for what it was planned for was a great piece of misdirection. It was supposed to be like a magic trick almost. We were supposed to be diverting the audience's eye from uh, to what was going on the screen so we could immediately get to the back of the theater and um, into a van that was waiting for us. Our tour manager, Simon Gallagher, had uh, arranged all our bags in, inside the van. And we got out into the van and out of the building, away from, away from the venue, long before a single one of our audience members had left. So it meant that we performed the ultimate vanishing act. Sean is standing up in the van and uh, I'm very stressed because Often it, I orchestrate a lot of this stuff and, um, and I snap at Sean. I'm, I'm, I'm quite rude to Sean and I had to apologize later on. But, uh, but I, I just want him to sit down. I want everyone to sit down and make sure all my guys are there. We're all okay. 
and I and I feel really awful about that afterwards. I remember that feeling. Um, and we go to Ollie's dad's apartment, which is in London, where um, where I'm still covered in my makeup from the show. And I'm still wearing my, uh, my my shirt from the show, but uh, but I haven't got my jacket anymore. When this is an odd thing to say for a, um, for a band, like like a, what what significance does a jacket have? But the significance these jackets had was they represented the entire part of uh they, they represented the entire band they were not just a uniform they were like a it was almost like a mission statement it was uh it, it was the thing that um it was, it was us putting uh the, the thrills and the uh the pomp back into punk rock which is what we were trying to do with when we first started um and that was the, the the first time we started doing that. We started making a conscious effort to uh, to have a, a symbol, and it was the symbol of our, our last record. And it was when, when I came when I devised the, the Kalisar originally. Um, I devised it on Microsoft Paint while I was working at the call center. And um, skulls and hearts, uh, I guess, are two things that are constantly combined anyway throughout throughout popular culture. I think for me, it was a combination a combination of a lot of things that I'd grown up with as well. Like musically, Creeper was, was like a, a melting pot of all my favorite bands. And visually, that was the same thing. It was like a, a huge part of my youth. And suddenly, this this thing that had been there through all of it with us, we were kind of leaving it on the floor. And I, and I, I remember feeling like we'd lost something, like we were missing something. And uh, it took me a minute to realize that it was the jackets and that the jackets that are just pieces of fabric that had changed in one shape or form um, over the, the years uh, were, had, had a significant meaning. It was almost like letting go of a part of our youth. And what would happen from that moment would completely change the course of our lives. The idea for this was to try and uh, give ourselves the, the, the time to make uh, an album and allow uh, the same mystery that we wrote in on at the beginning of the campaign to happen again it was like a second a second magic trick but whereas the first time around when we uh we went vanished we, we vanished from social media which is quite an easy trick to perform that anyone can perform this time we vanished from in front of our audience's eyes while they were there watching it it was uh it, it was a great magic trick it was supposed to be but what it actually became was probably one of the single most definitive moments of the last few years of my life. One of the most defining moments of my whole life, I suppose. I, I always remember that. I, I, I never forget the panic in the air out of the room and the, the cries. It was uh, the accumulation of a million hours of work, of every song, of, uh, of every idea we've had, of every movie still that I printed off of my printer and put on my, on my wall when I was living in Southampton. Every... Um, Every conversation I'd had at four in the morning with Ian sat in my kitchen. Every show we'd ever played in our old band, every show we played in this band, it was it was kind of the grand climax. There, there, there have been numerous times over the last course of the year where we'd had death threats and things from from like really obsessed fans, not not from um, from people who who hated us, like this kind of pe- people that loved you so much. It was really a bizarre time and. Um, I remember my girlfriend at the time said she was like they're going to kill you they're going to they're going to kill you and I remember thinking but this is what this is what they want they want to see they want to see the ultimate show and I couldn't think of a better thing to do it it was a David Bowie quote obviously that 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 started it it was the end of um, the spiders from Mars which was the uh, 
a nucleus for all of this. Um, but it it was like letting go of um, of a big part of my youth at the same time. At this point, me and Ian, at least, uh, our whole our whole lives is creeper. And so the the way we would we we'd put those those jackets down, we were entering another part of our lives then, where we would. We would the way we would make music and the way we would collaborate together wouldn't ever be the same again. Hey, my name's Hannah and I play keys and I do some vocals in Creeper. Even when I first started, to be honest, like, well, I mean, when I was a kid, like I was a proper emo kid, but I was quite, um, I don't want to say reserved, but I was always quite an anxious kid. So when I first started Creeper, I was like, wow, like this is, this is intense, but intense in a good way. I came into Creeper in 2015 and I feel like it's almost been like the whole of my life. Like I kind of, it was just the piece of my life that was missing and it fitted in. And and I just know, I don't know, like I've never felt so comfortable. When we did that end of the campaign, the Callous Heart campaign show in November, it was just astonishing to see the reaction and just to see how much creeper means to people and even now it's such a big part of people's lives that they're not willing to just let it go and that's an amazing amazing feeling back at ollie's dad's house we all sat on the floor um and i'm just kind of not at that time it like the, the kind of shock of it all had hit me and uh the internet was just going mad and um so i could look at that and uh the news sites already started picking up on it and everything. And it was like, it, it felt like something really special had, had, had happened and something quite sad. And some people were, were furious with us and some people were really applauding us and wondering um, what this all meant. If it, if it meant that the band was done or if, uh, or if it was just another, just another stunt um, because we're known for these stunts, you know? Um, and, uh, and I was there sat in Ollie's dad's flat somewhere in London Wondering exactly the same thing. Uh, was this the end of the band or was this just a stunt? And um, as I sat there, kind of uh, staring into his fireplace, I remember thinking to myself, what on earth happens now? Like, we've reached the end of, uh, of this campaign. This is the end of the story as I've written it. And I've written it for, out in advance for such a long period of time. We what what is this next? What what happens now? We were entering the void, so to speak. We began floating at that point, and it wasn't until maybe a year and a half on from that that we finally came back down to earth and reemerged. And it kind of took this amount of time to to get to this place with this record. The, the reason this record's been so delayed is because we literally tore the whole thing down to rubble and completely ignored what everyone was telling us about only progressing by 20% each record and um, and um, alienating the fan base. That's what one that I heard all the time from everybody. Um, and we just decided to learn how to do it. And uh, we learned that uh, a lot of that came from, from Zandy Barry. I'm Zandy Barry, and I produced Sex, Death, and the Infinite Void for Creeper. He was a man we met uh, on... I think it may have been our, our second writing uh, excursion in uh, in America. Into my studio walk uh, William Gould and Ian Miles. And we just immediately kind of hit it off. Um, I will say they had been on the long sort of 
track of, uh, you know, meeting producers, meeting songwriters in LA, and it's kind of a bit of this treadmill. And at times it can be a little discouraging, I think, if you're an artist, because you're, you know, you're just meeting new people every day and you're having to tell them your life story in about 30 minutes and then try and write a song together. I mean, it's kind of, it's a bit like speed dating. And he, he was uh, someone that a man called Dave Rath, a wonderful uh, A&R from Roadrunner and Atlantic in the US, he put us in touch with. And it was such an unlikely thing. We'd, we'd met a lot of very bombastic, very uh, very, uh, very loud and, um, and proud people who were wonderful, uh, wonderful collaborators and producers while we were over there. But none of it was like perfect. And uh, we were feeling a little anxious, Ian and I, especially as we were over here on behalf of our band um, to, try and, to try and work out a, a producer for this record. And we've been working with Neil Kennedy in Southampton for such a long time before this that we were very comfortable there. But kind of stepping outside of your comfort zone is a, is a nerve-wracking thing at the best of times. But uh, when, it, when it involves something that you care so much about, your art, that's, that's even more scary. So uh, we'd, uh, we, we walked into this room. Um, we met him uh, at his studio uh, called uh, Wax Inc. In, um, in Hollywood. And I came in, and he was sat in this little room at the end, uh, which was uh, which little did I know at the time, I would spend ten thousand hours in just sat with him um, after. And uh, he was sat there, and he said, "Oh, you must be the creeper guys. Uh, come in, come in." And we sat down in this room, which he had lit by red lighting all the time, red lights everywhere. And uh, and he was the first person not to not to just pick a guitar up and start trying to trying to play a tune with us and not try to to work he, he said to us what are you into what what what's the story with this and that was how it began that's how how this uh how this actually actually all ended up happening in the first place it's because zandy was interested in storytelling and that is completely what the entire band is about it's about telling a story and about uh and about building that and he listened to what we had to say we just hit it off they're just delightful lads you know they um they had a real excitement about music so instead of actually getting any work done we spent about six hours just listening to records you know it was like bowie records and meatloaf records and the proto men and we listened to jim steinman records and we listened to really bombastic over-the-top 80s stuff and then we listened to Britpop, and then we listened to to rock and roll and some some Motown and Randy Newman records and uh, the studio that I work out of in LA had recorded you know the Doors had recorded back there and Hendrix had recorded back there so I don't know we just started pulling out records and listening to things they turned me on to this really cool band Proto Men that I had never heard of and we were watching their videos and their shows and I don't know just at the end of several hours we were all just kind of laughing and. Uh, just enjoying music. And we didn't even begin to collaborate. We didn't even start writing or we didn't even start working on our songs. The first day, we just hung out. So we decided to get together the next day and we continued with uh, the day we had booked and we wrote a song and it was great and I loved it. I, I, I mean, it was absolutely an insane song. It, it was just crazy. I, I was pretty sure people were either going to love it or hate it. And uh, it turned out everyone liked it. And I went back to the, the hotel with Ian and he turned to me and just said, this is our guy. And, um, and I knew it too. And, so, and that's, that's how it began as quickly as that. 
I was like, yeah, sure. Let's go. So that's kind of the, that's the story, <laughs> how it started anyway. <laughs> There's a lot that happened afterwards. <laughs> I was born cold, so much colder than you. A transparent brute, black hearts you see right through. You're all spirit. This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. I'm Ina Garten. Welcome to Be My Guest, the podcast. One of the best gifts you can give friends is spending time together. But what's even better than that? cooking with them on Be My Guest, the podcast. New friends and old stop by my barn for some conversation and great cooking. We talk about food, life, and everything in between. Listen to Be My Guest, the podcast with me, Ina Garten, and join us wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com